0: Thinking Aloud. Conversations on the leading edge of knowledge and discovery with psychologist Jeffrey Mishlove.
1: Hello and welcome. I'm Jeffrey Mishlove. Today, we'll be exploring what is known as psychic surgery in the Philippines. With me is Dr. James McLennan, a sociologist, also a licensed clinical social worker. He is the author of four books, including Deviant Science, The Case of Parapsychology, Wondrous Events, Foundations of Religious Belief, Wondrous Healing, Shamanism, Human Evolution, and the Origin of Religion. And, The Entity Letters, a Sociologist on the Trail of a Supernatural Mystery. Once again, I'm conducting this interview via Skype, so now I'm going to switch over to the Skype video. Welcome, Jim. It's a pleasure to be with you uh, once again. I know we've uh, had a couple of uh, discussions already on some very remarkable phenomenon. Uh, and I guess it's fair to say right at the outset that when it comes to psychic surgery, you tend to be uh, more more skeptical than you would be, or, or than you were with regard to either the Surat group or firewalking.
0: Well, uh I had hung out for the Surratts for a number of years, and I had developed the opinion that psi had a kind of hiding quality. And then I got a chance. I had I had some very powerful experiences, and I, there is a probability or a possibility of fraud. And, but a lot of times that was kind of alleviated. Like everyone would hem, have their hands on the table, and it would move around, and it would look like, say, Tom Richards is pushing. But then he'd take his hands away, and it would still be moving around. So I got this job in Asia. I was working for the University of Maryland with the Asia Division, and I got a chance to go to the Philippines in 1982, then again in 1983, then 1984, then 1985. So I, I had a number of – had a great deal of opportunity to look at psychic surgery, and, and so I just – and my job as a sociologist is to see what's going on and interview people and take notes. And so mm-hmm. that's what I was doing. And I, and I had the expectation that there'd be something paranormal involved. And because it's it, su- it was such an ambiguous situation.
1: Mm-hmm. You witnessed, as I recall, over a thousand psychic surgeries in the Philippines.
0: Yes, and I, I, I didn't really know what to expect. I, I remember the very first one I saw. It looks pretty strange, but it didn't look like a surgery. And I was kind of puzzled because if there's one thing that I had learned, that it's that psi has a kind of hiding quality. I, I think I think psychokinesis is real, but it has a kind of hiding quality. And here you could just go, you could attend like a service, and here they were kind of fiddling around and blood would come out. And so it was puzzling. So I, I started reading up and looking at the history of psychical re- of a uh, psychic surgery, and it's not something which is uh, centuries-old practice. It's something that it, it started in the Philippines after World War II, and the Filipino people had been exposed to. They had a, a greater chance to see real surgeries, and they have a they have a tradition of sleight of hand shamanism. They have uh, certain kinds of practitioners, like one is called a bula bula, and They'll take a a a cup and put it over, say, some infirm part of your body, and then blow through a tube into the cup, and the water becomes cloudy, and it's as if the evil is being extracted from the infection. And then inside the cup, they'll find a a bone, you know, and it's got magical carvings on it. And then they'll blow into the cup again, and the water will become clear. And so, Mm -hmm. this is the kind of magic that they they were that they did, and it had. It had it had been become part of the, a lot of people's Christian practice. It, it was it had been a part of indigenous Filipino sorcery, and then that, now it was done in the Christian context. And there, there were also kind of spiritualist groups in north of Manila. Now it, it's not a prevalent practice, but it's something that people north of Manila were familiar with. And so after World War II, they. Be, again doing this kind of psychic surgery thing and then that was discovered in the 1960s I think uh, Harold Sherman wrote a book uh, Uh, Wonder Healers of the Philippines published in 1967 and that Mm -hmm. was somewhat of a bestseller and so tourists started going and they were impressed by this and so that's what I was looking at and I, I had a book which listed all the most famous psychic surgeons and I went made a point I visited every single one of them I hung out in their compounds, I interviewed them, I got their biographies, and I watched surgery after surgery after surgery. And I, I just wanted to see what it was like. Mm-hmm. Now, isn't
1: it the case that um, shamans use trickery uh, in healing, not just in the Philippines, but uh, it's pretty universal, uh, North America and Asia yes. and uh, other other countries, I think, uh, the idea of uh Fooling people into thinking they've been healed uh, helps to engender a state of consciousness which is perhaps conducive to healing.
0: Well, I was—I think there's certain points. As I've got like three points I want to get across. Like, the first is the idea that I, I think that psychokinesis is real, mm-hmm. but it hides. Okay, and then the second point is that I think Shakespeare said. The play is the thing. It's the performance. The performance has an impact on the audience. And, you know, Shakespeare said, you know, uh, we're going to put on this play and it's going to have an effect on the king in the, in the play Hamlet. So that's kind of what shamanism You put on a performance and it has an effect on the audience. And the idea is it's going to have a hypnotic and a placebo effect on the audience. They're going to benefit from this. So that's what they were doing in, in the Philippines during that era. Mm-hmm. And and I was going around and interviewing, and I was I, I was wondering if there were common features all over the world. I was going to get a I got a chance to go to Thailand, Philippines, Korea, Sri Lanka, India, People's Republic of China, Taiwan, Okinawa. I got a chance to go to and, you know, a lot of different places. So I was collecting these narratives, interviewing people, watching, and I, and I was wondering what's the what's the commonality here, and. Uh, there, there's, a, there's a lot of academic researchers say that there isn't any real commonality. This is just a collection of local cultural phenomena, but I, I was thinking there probably is. My, my friend Michael Winkleman mm-hmm. felt certain that there's a physiological basis for shamanism. So I collected all these stories, and uh, so I thought I'd just uh, share some of them while we talk, and you, you'll see there are common elements in this.
1: Across the world, not just in the Philippines, you mean?
0: Yes, but we'll, but we'll focus on the Philippines right now. That's our topic for today.
1: Yeah. Uh, I, well, psychic surgery has also been reported in Brazil. I know that.
0: Yes, but it's a little bit different. I, I think they I think Brazil and the Philippines are similar in that there's a there's a culture of powerful, powerful belief at, in both places and also a, a belief in spirits. In the Philippines, they have a lot of sorcery, mm-hmm. sorcerers, so they, they have this powerful belief in spirits. And there's, the, there's similarities in that there's similarities between the sleight-of-hand performance. There's, a, there's commonalities because there's a way you can perform this by sleight-of-hand. And there's a lot of skeptical literature. James Randy's done... Uh, videotapes where he simulates psychic surgery. Mm-hmm. There's been a lot of skeptics who investigated and they they feel pretty certain that it's all sleight of hand. And so that was the kind of thing I was thrown into. Yeah. And, and and so I would interview the shamans. I was wondering, is there, is there similarities to the way a person becomes a healer? And uh, there are. Let me, like for example, uh, Alex Orbito.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: I, I talked to him and he told me about when he was 14 years old, a, a neighborhood woman had a dream in which he came to her and that healed her. She had been paralyzed. she was in a wheelchair for the last 10 years. And so the neighbors all wanted him to come visit her, and he did. And then she was able to walk. And he got this reputation as a healer. That was the beginning of his, his reputation. but And it, he started having recurring dreams, some of which had a, had an extrasensory component and so that enhanced his reputation mm-hmm. but there in those days the, the payment for doing a psychic surgery was like one peso there wasn't really much of a reward and so he was he wanted to become just a regular guy and and pretty much i think he might have gone to manila or some large city and was just doing some menial job and started getting sick and and having voices in his head telling him that he had to heal And they put, he was, he was working for a photography studio and they, he he was accused of, of, of stealing equipment and was in jail and the voices became more and more intense. And so he agreed he would, you know, this agreement with the voices, okay, I'll be a healer. They let him out of jail and he he still tried uh, resisting, but the sickness kept getting worse and worse. And here he was back at home and I think, There's different variations to the story, but I think he healed his mother or some other people were healed. And so this launched his career as a a psychic surgeon. Now, is this a a typical
1: story? Is that what you're claiming? Yes. yes, Throughout the world, I mean, dreams lead people to have careers as healers or as mystics of one kind or another.
0: Well, in, in 1986, I had about three dozen of, of different people who I had collected stories from, and, and I was looking, what is, I was thinking to myself, what's the pattern? I had page after page of interview notes, and I, I, hadn't, I hadn't, it wasn't really that apparent to me at the time. In 1986, I looked through all these stories, and that was the pattern. Uh, uh, spontaneous anomalous experiences.
2: mm-hmm.
0: Uh, Uh, they have a compelling element and that the person requires, these are people that have a lot of experiences and they develop a reputation in their community and, they often become ill, and the way to recovery is to become a healer. Mm-hmm. So that was just a recurring feature. I and mean, that's, that's why sh-
1: shamans are called the wounded healers.
0: Yes, yeah, there's that, there's that syndrome, the wounded healers syndrome, mm-hmm. yes. So and it's. So, it, it sounds like
1: what you're saying here is that Alex Urbido, for one, was very sincere in
0: his uh, endeavor to heal people. Horribly, horribly sincere, yes. And but surrounded by a whole community of people who are helping him. Mm-hmm. And so I was kind of curious about it. It seemed to me that a lot of times when I was talking to him, he was in trance just in everyday life, mm. that, that he had gone into the trance state. And it, it seemed that, that that's kind of, that, I guess that was kind of a, a self-healing mechanism. And over the years, I've developed the theory that uh, this type of thing is related to dissociation, and absorption, the focusing of the mind, being able to dissociate the mind, and being able to focus the mind. And these are the two elements that make for hypnosis. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of a hypnotic quality, a kind of self-hypnotic quality. And
1: I suppose uh, an important question to ask is whether or not people are legitimately uh, receiving uh, some form of um,
0: practical healing. Well, that is an issue, isn't it? Because the, the, there's all kinds of... Uh, Alex Orbiteau has been arrested. Er, they've tried to arrest him in different countries. Because uh, he travels. He, he's been all over the world. He he has probably do, healed um, or, you know, done these surgeries for about a million people.
1: I've met him. I've observed his yeah, surgeries yeah. in the Philippines, yeah. as a matter
0: of fact. And, and others also. There's there's a collection of maybe about a dozen people, and they're they very famous, and they attract a lot of uh, of a lot of following. Mm-hmm. So uh, I've been talking to these people, and almost all of them tell me, well, that almost everyone else except for maybe three people are frauds, they tell me, every single one of them. So <laughs> so, so uh, I don't remember whether he told me that, but it, it would be something that, that he mm-hmm. might say, you know, like they're saying everyone else is fraudulent, but I'm not. Accepted. So, it's, it's commonly
1: understood uh, that there's a certain amount of fraud going on.
0: It's expected. I mean, mm-hmm. it's part of the culture. People expect it. Well, that's it. interesting
1: because if if people are healed because of a placebo effect or because of uh, something having to do with their belief system, th- then if they also think it's fraud, that's kind of paradoxical, isn't it?
0: Well... I, the the people who are healed do not think it's fraud they're uh-huh. compelled to believe you see. Yeah. and now according to my theory these are people who have a tendency to be dissociative and absorptive they' they're good hypnotic subjects mm-hmm. so there's a certain kind of person who's healed and that person believes in it they're they're compelled to believe in it mm-hmm. and it, it is a, I, I have trouble framing this in my own mind how how is it that people do that? and how can they be surrounded by people who are were are working with them? What are their belief systems? So I'm traveling around. I'm talking to people like uh, Josephine, Sisal, and She's I, I decided I would after I interviewed all these famous surgeons, I started going into the backcountry to people who are more difficult to locate and the tour, don't have so much tourist traffic. And Josephina was one of these people. She was in backcountry and she was uh, doing these surgeries every week and having, oh, many, many Filipinos for coming to see her. And uh, so I asked her, what's, how did you start doing this? And she told me that she had been compelled, had a calling, and was taking herself on these major pilgrimages and encountered a saintly man in a white clothing. And he taught her how to do this mind-cleaning operation. Mm. And so she would take a piece of cotton. She'd put it in person's right ear and, and, and take it out of their left ear. That's clean, a good trick. <laughs> clean their mind. Yeah. You know, and we do it again and again. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so I'm, I'm, I, I can't see how they're doing it. I, I want to believe, I believe in psychokinesis that I'm watching surgery after surgery and they're all similar. They're all could be sleight of hand, you know, and, and she's surrounded by all this entourage. Her family is helping her do this. Uh, what's going on? And, uh, then I, I was teaching uh, classes for military personnel. I invited some of my students to come with me. And I had this sergeant who was kind of taking me under the wing, you know, like I had been in the army and mm-hmm. been a lieutenant. Sergeants, a lot of times they kind of take care of you and help you. So he was, he looked at us. I said, Sergeant, do you, is that sleight of hand? And he said, Lieutenant, that's got to be sleight of hand, you know, and something yeah. kind of clicked in my mind. And from then on, I could see how it's done. I could see, if you look closely between her fingers, you could see a tiny little piece when she took it out. Mm -hmm. She put it in, and then there would be, it actually was balled up just between her fingers. Mm -hmm. And then your hand's concealed. You can't see it, it, and it takes out. And I could see it with all of them. Every time I looked at it from then on, I could see, it's possible to load your hands up, load your hands up, you do, you pull the stuff out. It's, it's just so very, very clear. Now, I, I
1: believe you told me uh, earlier that you had consulted with James Randi, the magician debunker, and he showed you uh, some of the methods they
0: use. Yes, I did have contact with James Randi, and I, I watched the videos of him doing psychic surgery, and he also showed me how to do metal bending. We had a very extensive conversation, and it was very valuable for me, but at the same time, I was kind of misled by it because I had the opinion that I knew more than I actually did. Uh, uh, so when I went to look at the psychic surgeons, they, it didn't actually look that similar to what Randi was doing. Their their motions were much more fluid, and it was a little bit startling, and it wasn't the same the same kind of phenomena. So I would assume okay. Then there's of course the the other the second question is how effective is this? How what how powerful is the placebo effect? In other words,
2: mm-hmm.
0: and mm-hmm. so I would interview a lot of people who are having the surgeries done, and they they were the the Westerners were very thrilled. They paid a lot of money. They they, they were having a, a religious experience, and I got a lot of their names. They flew home. And uh, oh, I would say one-third of them were a little bit skeptical. One-third of them uh, felt it was a wonderful time, but it didn't seem to make any difference, and one-third of them died. <laughs> so <laughs> So, yeah, there's... There's a, it's a serious thing. There's a, mm-hmm. there's a lot of people who have terminal illnesses, and so there's that. And then, if you look in the literature, there's uh, if you really monitor it closely, there's whole play modes of people going there, and sometimes the entire plane load experiences no benefit whatsoever.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: So there's, and then and then as I was watching surgeons, I was hanging out with their with the audience. And it's a it's a kind of brutal world. Uh, I remember this one practitioner. I, she was she had suddenly become famous. She suddenly had done she had she had uh, done a psychic surgery and removed a bullet from a bullet wound. And this had gotten a lot of media attention. And she was attracting a huge crowds. And she didn't. I I, I remember waiting afternoon for hour after hour with all these people and she couldn't seem to do more than one surgery in every hour. And so all these people were not going to get any healing. And they were crippled children and people with terminal illnesses. And the The, the world of psychic surgery has an underbelly, which is, is pretty harsh. Uh, there's a lot of people who don't benefit from it. But my impression is is that they think that they do anyway. Hmm. And, and so I decided I would have a surgery just to get the experience Mm
2: -hmm. Uh,
0: and I did it with Alex Orbito and and he asked me what my problem was and I actually I felt like I was in pretty good health but I told him I was tired because I I was spending a lot of time it takes a lot of travel it's very hot it's difficult so I said I'm tired he says well then you probably need a heart surgery (laughs) uh, so uh, I have a picture in my my book there's a picture of me and my, uh, my he's rooting around the blood's coming out of my chest and he's doing a heart surgery, and it was pretty thrilling. I, I remember coming home and and feeling it's kind of like jumping out of an airplane or something. It's hmm. a, it's, it's a marvelous experience, even yeah. though it is yeah. done through sleight of hand, in my opinion.
1: Yeah. So seems- you did some studies to determine, as I recall, the hypnotic
0: susceptibility of the people involved in all of this. Hmm. I, I participated in skeptical organizations for a while and I remember one afternoon I had a meeting at my house and I had all these skeptics and I I, I tried to I did a hypnosis experiment with them and they turned out to be very resistant yeah they were difficult to hypnotize uh, our artists and, and actors are easy to hypnotize I've found and so I think shamans in the same way but that the shamans are are on another wavelength they're it's superficial to attribute everything to hypnosis. Mm. Uh, they, they are interacting with themselves. They're interacting. Like one thing I noticed in all these stories that I collected, uh, I'm a sociologist, so I was of the opinion that this would require some kind of socialization process. You need to hang out with other people, learn how to do it, and uh, you know, you're know you socialized into the role. But the stories they told me didn't fit that very well. They People would tell me stories that they had – hearing voices in their head. They had been resistant. They got sicker and sicker. Then they had begun doing healings. The medical problem had gone away. And the, the voices and the spirit inside of them would tell them what, how to do it. Actually put together the ritual for them. Mm. So, so it's like a self-socialization process, an inner process of responding. I, mean, I remember one... One shamanic practitioner saying that you have to make a vow with the spirits. And once you do that, then they'll protect you, and you can then do healings. So, so it's a it's a kind of inner a strange inner process. So, so, you know, we have this idea of PK is real, but it's hiding, and then there's this performance, and then that results in the in the psychosomatic healing. But the but the actual paranormal part of it's hiding. It's mm-hmm. not it's not something that you, it's not something that's going to be you're going to see it. You're not going to pay a fee and and see mm-hmm. somebody perform like that. It just doesn't seem like it works that way.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Now I know you've talked to some people who felt they
1: were healed very dramatically, say from cancer
0: oh yeah when i was i was I hung out with a lot of people and people would come and say, "Yes, I had been diagnosed with such and such a type of cancer, and I have all my medical records and uh the doctors can't understand it or they can't explain it and and it was the whole experience was a bit overwhelming and i realized i i had come to realize that I could pursue it I could try to verify it but but it isn't going to work out. It isn't mm. going to be anything that would convince a skeptic because the doctors could have misdiagnosed the cancer. I mean, mm-hmm. And, and oh, this is a universal thing, and, and it's a, you're dealing with something that's kind of a cross-cultural phenomenon. When when I was there, I, there, were, there were people coming from Pakistan, from India, from Iran, from a lot of foreign countries, and, and they were being healed by the psychic surgeons. And we're, we're dealing with really a strange kind of, cross-cultural interaction I remember listening to some very very strange interaction where the, the the lady from Pakistan she was trying to bargain down the price because you know mm-hmm. everything should be bargained she's trying to get the price lower to the, the healer saying well you need to believe in Jesus that's what well, that's the power of this and she said well I don't believe in Jesus but I want two surgeries for the price of one you know <laughs> oh no it doesn't work like that you know and mm-hmm. I, I remember sitting in on on uh, Alex Orbito, he has a like a, a people give preach before he comes on and they're, they're trying to explain to the audience that Jesus never said there's no place in the Bible where Jesus says, I will heal you. Jesus never says that he will heal anybody. And it's the same with Alex Orbito. He never says, I will heal you. Jesus said, by your faith, are ye healed. you healed? Know, mm. Your faith will heal you. And so. So I got the impression maybe on some level they were aware that this was a show, that the show was a thing. It's kind of a – it's hard to to imagine what it's like to be a surgeon and not fully believe in what you're doing. Yeah. So I think they were – I think I think that Alex orbito if you gave him a lie detector test, he would easily pass it. Mm-hmm. He'd pass it without a problem. You,
1: you described him earlier as horribly sincere.
0: Yes, yeah, because you're watching a performance that, to my mind, is obviously sleight of hand, mm-hmm. but yet they sing uh, hymns, they hold them, they're hold they all holding the Bible, it's a deeply religious atmosphere. I, I remember uh, one time I was with an ex-wife, my ex-wife at the time, and it was a really hot day. We were in Alex Orbido's place. And uh, there was some kind of delay. And It was like 45 minutes. And there, all these people were gathered. And it's a, it's a hard environment. A lot of illness and suffering. And you wish, you know, let's get this over with. You know, like, it was really rough. And uh, she says, well, let's just go around back. Let's get away from this. And so we go around the back of the house. And... I say, well, you know, I think what's probably happening is that the, the, the chicken guts haven't arrived mm-hmm. yet, you know? <laughs> and she says, yeah, that's probably the problem. They, they're waiting for the chicken guts. And sure enough, this guy comes in, the back is carrying this big tray of chicken guts. <laughs> <You know? laughs> he goes into the back of the house. Oh. And we said, well, we better get around the front because they're going to start the show in a second. <laughs> and uh, sure enough, 15 minutes later, there's the tray. And... The, the chicken guts, or I don't know that they're actually in there, but there's all these towels wrapped up. And then the towels are part of the performance. You pick up the towel, you wipe your hands, your hands then does the operation, you know, and mm-hmm. on to the next one. And pulling out all these what looks like chicken guts. Yeah. yeah. One after another. Mm-hmm. So uh, I would, I would, I was I was going more and more into the back country to get an understanding of the cultural roots of the phenomena. and I attended a number of uh, church services of uh, of the ki- of the kind of of place where the s- the surgeons were coming from. The, s- the psychic surgeons came from these communities. And you saw uh, I saw people doing symbolic surgeries. Uh-huh. There's, no, there's no chicken guts. They're just going into trance. And the people are gathering, and they're they're just waving their hands around, and that and it's a it's more like a, a Pentecostal service. It's, there's a sincerity to it and a authenticity, and I noticed that young people, there's teenagers, and just like Alex orbito and he was a teenager, and so you could see how there's kind of like a, a, a training ground. Mm-hmm. People are very very poor. It's kind of like a, a musician. Very, many, many musicians are very, very poor, but some of them become fabulously wealthy. So, so maybe a dozen people will become fabulously wealthy. And and, and I ran, I encountered oh, many, many people who wanted to become psychic surgeons, but they hadn't hit the big time. They were mm-hmm. they were floundering and didn't have mm-hmm. they didn't have followers. Now I have talked to a couple
1: of Westerners who have. Uh, participated in psychic surgery and even one person who claimed he was trained as a psychic surgeon and uh uh, he believed it was quite authentic now
0: i've looked into that Uh, i talked to you previously and you gave me a name of a guy doug volks yeah doug volks so i googled his name and uh he was in 1967 he was doing psychic surgeries in mexico Mm -hmm. okay mexico city and uh they were trying to uh, stop him. The, the, the authorities, of the United States, were trying to uh, prevent tour groups from going down there. Oh. Now, I so I was I was in the Philippines and I had heard about him in the Philippines that he had paid a bunch of money uh, to learn how to do psychic surgeries, and they had showed him that it was totally sight of sleight of hand. That's oh. what I that's what I have been told. That, uh, The world, the world that I work in is a folklore world, and and I hear stories and I write them down, and so I remember writing down that story. And, but I think that was pretty common knowledge that he had been taught the sleight of hand tricks, and so that's what he was doing.
1: Well, I, you so, know, it's been so long. It's been probably since the uh, early 1970s since I ever interacted yeah. with him. But my recollection is that he did not believe it was trickery that he, uh, was under the belief and he had formed a whole community of people around him who felt it was quite sincere. And well,
0: then he's just like the psychic surgeons, isn't he? Yeah.
1: I guess, I he guess is. so. Now, but, May I probe you a little more deeply on this? I know yes. you—you are—you don't deny the possibility of psychokinesis. You just feel that in right. this instance there was no evidence for it.
0: Well, I—I I expected that there would be phenomena. I had experienced phenomena with the Surratts, with this entity letter yeah. book which I had written. I had experienced the phenomena, and I was—I wanted to experience the phenomena. So that I could learn about it, I wanted mm-hmm. to learn as much as I could about it. Mm-hmm. So I spent a lot of time. I watched over a thousand of these operations, and at none—not a single case did I see any phenomena that would that would make me have the slightest thought that there was anything with but at one PK. point you. But you, I gathered, I heard a lot of stories. People told me a lot of stories, uh, and and the, the healers told me a lot of stories.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And, and but they fall into the category of apparitions waking extrasensory perception paranormal dreams out of body experience uh psychokinesis spiritual healing those those stories all fall into the category of spontaneous personal experiences yeah. you see so uh, so i think that i think that that's where the core of authenticity is it, now it's possible that a performance for for example the serats put their hands on the table it seems as if sometimes there's paranormal <clears throat> phenomena but if you expect it to occur on demand, you pay your money and you expect to see it. It yeah. isn't going to happen.
1: I would agree with you about if, that.
0: If if you can if you know what to look for, you see, and that's the problem is that I knew what to look for. Now, for example, I was misled really by by my interaction with James Randi because hmm. I because I thought that I understood paranormal metal bending. You know, so. When I saw it there in Japan, J- uh, Yuri Geller came to Japan and I was there and watched him with a newspaper reporter. And I had told the reporter that I, that I felt I could duplicate everything that he did. Okay. Well, the reporter, he had the reporter come up. He had the reporter hold the spoon in his hand and then he just kind of waved his hand around it. And then the spoon became elastic, uh-huh. you know, and that he had not touched it. And the reporter said, well, can you do that? And I said, no, I can't. Yeah. I can't do that, and we could check the spoon. It was, it had not been tampered with. So, mm-hmm. so yes, it's, it's. To my mind, it's clear that things are, you know, it's possible for PK. Here, let me, let me show you a trick. Okay. There, <laughs> okay. Here's the trick. Okay, uh, let's see if I can get this. I, I, can't see, I can't see myself very clearly in that image. Yeah, yeah. When you put. But, uh,
1: Okay, your hands, you're going to remove see, your thumb, I can my see. My thumb
0: is alive, you see, yeah, it's alive. No, right? no, no, no. You see it? No. Yeah. Oh, oh, it's painful, oh! <laughs> <laughs> and if I could get some blood to come out. See,
1: yeah. The
0: blood, <laughs> the blood yeah. comes out. You
1: know? If you could get some blood to come out, it might be <laughs> impressive. But let me and ask that, you this question. You put
0: your finger in the person's body. You know, yeah. and, and There's stories. People say that they put their hand into the incision.
1: You know? In in your book, you refer to some of the psychic healers as, as having very fluid, subtle movements, even better, you thought, than uh, the James Randi and the other magicians who were trying to much, fake. Yeah,
0: much better. Yeah, yeah, their movements were much better, but there, but but they all of them had repetitive motions. They had different tricks. That they had mastered, that mm-hmm. they were very skillful at doing, and it requires you, it requires you to load up your hand with the chicken guts or or something else, you know,
2: mm-hmm.
0: and then to extract it. And you could see you could see how they would wipe their hands on a towel that allowed them to load it up, or they bring their hand and the hand would pass over, pass cl- touch the towel or touch the an object, where the hand would disappear from your view. And and you could see how that every, mm-hmm. in, in every instant. Now, uh, if you look at some of Stanley Krippner's work, a book that he wrote uh, about healing, mm-hmm. uh, he mentions a lot of cases which are kind of like uh, apparitional events, and they're shared apparitions.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Okay, so I I had hoped that I would see something like that within the context of this. I would hope that I might have a spontaneous experience, but I, I did not.
1: Yeah. You, and,
0: you, In other words, you went into your exploration hoping to
1: find some sort of really legitimate, amazing paranormal phenomenon, and what you encountered yeah. in, in your mind was 100% trickery.
0: Well, let me tell another story, uh-huh. Okay. Uh, I decided, okay, I, I talked to people who are hanging around psychic surgeons. There, there's actually, there's a, there's special churches that do this kind of thing. And it's not that psychic surgery is not the core or it's not the, the center of the whole phenomenon. I, I think it's, it's like a kind of a sorcery. And mm-hmm. it's a problem for some people. Someone has put a curse on you yeah. and you need to get that curse off. Yeah. And the psychic surgeon removes a, a diseased part of your body, but... Uh, you know if you have a curse on you you need to something a
1: black and ugly needs to come out yeah right? yeah
0: mm-hmm. and, and that's the indigenous culture Yeah, and and there's a place that's the center of it Sekihor Island in the Philippines and so I went down there you know and there's uh, there's bula's down there who do the sleight of hand surgery and then there's also a, a Manamamba Let's see if I can pronounce it right. Manambula or something like that. Mm-hmm. A special practitioner. And there's a lot of them down there. And people come down there from all over the Philippines. And they, they spend like a month down there and they do rituals to help them. Mm-hmm. You know? And so I, a lot of these guys have the same kind of call, the same kind of call, men and women have the same kind of calling. And the spirit helps them, the spirit's helping them to find the right herbs. The Spirit's helping them to do the ceremony on the right day, like Good Friday. And there's a lot of magical performance going on. And a a judge uh, told me that I should talk to a particular healer, that he had been cursed. And this healer had removed the curse. And his his life had been just a nightmare. He had been diagnosed with cancer, and he was going to die soon. And this healer had fixed him up, and he was okay. Mm Mm-hmm. Right, so I must talk to this particular healer. So I went and went to where the woman lived, and she invited me in. And she was very, very poor and sick herself. Oh. and uh, she had had dreams uh, to do certain things, and she had done the things. She had interacted with the judge and a lot of other people. A lot of people had been helped, but now the phenomena is gone. Yeah, and no one's coming. You know. So there's another side. The, mm-hmm. the thing the the thing isn't something that you control, you, yeah. know? Uh-huh. And, uh, so, uh, you know. And so you know and I've I've collected so many stories mm-hmm. I, I I you know I can't help but think of something's going on and it's going on in all the countries of the world. And I'm sure there's people who are listening to this who have had many, many experiences, and they're they're a part of it too. Mm-hmm. You know, we're all we're all part of this process. Mm-hmm.
1: Well, in your book, Wonders Healing, you talk about the um, notion that it's miraculous events or seemingly miraculous mm-hmm. events like this that are really the origin of religious belief.
0: Yes, the people. Okay, uh, so. I had when I came back from Asia in 1986, then I started uh, I was at the University of Maryland and I I conducted a survey. I was I I, I look I was looking all this these notes and it seemed like the common feature were these spontaneous experiences. The the spontaneous experiences were compelling people to believe. Mm -hmm. And I was reading David Hufford's book, The Terror That Comes in the Night. He's a folklorist. And so I started doing a kind of folklore research, where I was just kind of be collecting stories, collecting stories. I collected, I collected over a thousand stories, and uh, it was interesting. Some people have these experiences, and then people started coming to me. Some people have many experiences. Mm-hmm. They have. I remember one woman came to me, and she had had a dream that had come true. She'd seen. She, she knew that her her uncle was going to die. And then he died in exactly the way as in her dream, mm-hmm. precognitive dreams. Yeah, and she'd had uh, spontaneous healing experiences, and uh, probably about six or seven different experiences. And so for her, this wasn't an academic topic. This was something. This was her life. Mm-hmm. And so she was coming to me saying, "What's going on?" You know. And so I pointed to all this uh, here. I have got. <laughs> Notebook after notebook, page after page uh-huh. of you know, these these stories. Yeah, and she said, "Yeah, that's that's my life." you know mm-hmm. and uh, what is it? You know, and and she said, "That's it's because of Jesus." You know, she was a Christian. Yeah, and this is just part of her. The, you know, the people in her church are somewhat skeptical. They can't believe to the same level as she's believing. Mm-hmm. But but the spirits, it, it seems to foster a belief in spirits, souls, life after death, and magical abilities. And that seems to be a universal feature. Mm-hmm. Now, it varies from place to place. And the interpretation varies, and the nature of the soul, the nature of life after death varies from culture to culture. But that seems to be... It, 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 the experiences, these spontaneous experiences compel the people to be healers. Mm-hmm. They put on a show, like uh, last week we talked about firewalking. So I was on that process. I, I became a firewalker. Yeah. You know? And it sure, maybe it's kind of a trick. I mean, you've got to walk quickly. you got to mm-hmm. walk. It's an athletic event. But you're doing something that most people can't do.
1: Did you did you ever endeavor to become a psychic surgeon?
0: Uh, no, because I I uh, I can pull my thumb off, right? <laughs> <laughs> no, but I endeavored to become a therapist, mm-hmm. and I took training as a social worker, and I went to work in a psychiatric hospital. Yeah, and I I meditated every day for all of my life, mm-hmm. and. There's, a, there's something to be learned and that has to do with compassion, it has to do with spontaneity,
2: mm-hmm.
0: compassion, and hum- hum- humility, mm-hmm. you know, and the recognition that it's not you. You're not healing anyone.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: I'm, I don't proclaim myself to be a healer, but I, but I know that the healing, mm-hmm. I know the healing occurs. Uh, I think the people who are listening to this should think about it, you know, like, what are, what are we saying to them? Uh, I think we're saying that uh, the, the psychokinesis of the psi is real, but it's, it has a hiding quality. And the, if you look for it, you, if you if you use your your, your scrutiny to f- try to find it, it won't. You won't. You know. It, and you know they've done research with these psychic surgeons to try and check to make sure they're not bringing anything in. Yeah. And, they, they, it doesn't work out.
1: Uh, yeah, I'm not aware of any really good studies about that there there are occasional reports in the literature that talk about yeah. before and after x-rays uh,
0: uh, but not. Well, there, go ahead yeah, well there's before, the doctors diagnose the cancer, they have x-rays or whatever, they find the cancer the people come back and it's gone mm-hmm. you know, so So here, you and I are here, and all these people are are watching this videotape. What you would like is you would like to have that happen to you, you
2: know? (laughs)
0: You would like to have... It reminds me of a poem that goes something like this. The camel looked at the needle and saw that the needle's eye was so very small, and the camel meditated and fasted and prayed and leaped through space and time and flew through the eye of the needle... And the camel said, the miracle is not that it can happen, but that it happened to me. <laughs> you know? So uh, the, the 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 potential shaman is experiencing the terrible malady and the suffering and then and, and comes across a solution. And the solution is to become a healer, to become so empty of yourself that you can do this kind of thing. And so... I think so so there is a question, it's an interaction of something deep inside yourself. And and, and within our Western orientation we have this behavior cognitive behavioral therapy mm-hmm. where you look at your own mind, you look at your own thoughts and you you, you recognize the errors in your own thinking and you try to correct it. Yeah. You no. Know? So there's probably people that are listening to us and they're, maybe they're suffering from depression or anxiety. You know, you might just Google cognitive behavioral therapy and, and mm-hmm. practice reaching tra- practice relaxing yourself and doing a kind of self-hypnosis mm-hmm. and figuring out what the, the 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 flaws in your own thinking and, and what you might do about it and perhaps uh, seeking a higher power.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: In in other words, you
1: subscribe to a variety of psychospiritual approaches to healing, including the placebo effect, hypnosis, cognitive behavior, therapy, meditation. Uh, But where I see you drawing the line is for healers who are charging sums of money, uh, who claim to be able to produce magical psychokinetic effects on demand.
0: Well... Actually, I'm not. A, I'm. Let's see. Here's here's what I think. Uh, well, here, let me just talk to you because mm-hmm. you're in front of me right now. Yeah. What What do you believe? Well, I see, I, yeah. I would like to work I, if 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 you have a problem, mm-hmm. I would like to work with your beliefs. Yeah. And then I would like to apply your beliefs to solve that problem. You see? <laughs> you see what I'm saying? So the people are listening to us, mm-hmm. and I would like to ask them, what's your belief? Mm-hmm. And then let's let's think about how you could use that. Now, we're Westerners, and so you get on an airplane and fly way off to the Philippines. Maybe you should just look inside yourself,
2: mm-hmm.
0: you know, uh, because there's, there's a tendency to think that the foreigner, the, the exotic person, they're going to do the magical thing, and that cure you. And, and, and some people are cured.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But Well, you know, people
1: who are viewers of this channel will, for example, be able to uh, view the interview with Elizabeth Rauscher, a physicist who did studies yeah. on distant healing with Ogil Warrell, an American healer, now deceased, who was able to influence the growth of bacteria uh, from a distance.
0: Well, I visited her, yes, and interviewed her, yes. Mm-hmm. She's quite an interesting person. And she surrounds herself with other healers who are also very interesting people, too. Yeah. yeah. And uh, uh, so I, I brought some people to be healed by her. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, I can't say that any miracles occurred.
2: Yeah.
0: Uh, but I think we'd have that uh, a placebo healing and hypnotic suggestion. Mm-hmm. And and it's and it's far more powerful than you might think. There's some research that indicates that all uh, antidepressants may be effective as a result of the placebo effect. Would, and that's quite interesting. Yeah, there's yeah. a there's a distinct possibility because the mechanisms the mechanisms which they thought were explaining that 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 effectiveness turn out not to be valid. Well, I... Some people argue that, they, that yeah. that's not valid, you know, they, so I, I don't know.
1: The placebo effect, to, to me, uh, as far as I know, the literature, it's one of the strongest, most consistent effects in
0: all of medicine. So the question is, you know, a person... Uh, say, say you have a drinking problem mm-hmm. and you'd like to stop drinking. Yeah. And you say, "Well, I'm not going to drink today." And then, but the, by the time the sun sets, you're drinking anyway. Yep. We need something pretty powerful for that, you know. And so that's where you're going to have to reach inside yourself uh, uh, to look. What is it that you believe, and what might work in that mm-hmm. area mm-hmm. To, to create that powerful effect? I I remember being in Sri Lanka one time, and I had uh, uh, was investigating a particular healer. This guy had, was uh, running healing sessions every week at his compound. He's a school teacher. And so I went and visited him in a very, very rural backcountry place in Sri Lanka. And uh, he invited me in, and he wanted me to sleep in his pyramid. He He put this huge pyramid in his backyard, uh-huh. you know, and, and he had this huge library of Western books, which he had read all the New Age, this and New Age, that and spiritual healing and, uh-huh. and he had me sleep in the pyramid and the, the mosquitoes were just terrible, terrible. It was like a terrible <laughs> nightmare for me, you know. And then the next morning, he did this kind of show for the people. He had a medium. The medium went into trance. The medium put a blindfold on mm-hmm. and the people wrote out their problems on a piece of the paper. And then the medium did what I saw was very clearly she peeked down the side of the blindfold and she could see, yeah. really pretended like she was answering each one's problem you know while she was in mm-hmm. trance and to me it's a big hoax and uh, uh, then they uh, you know they they had the whole audience kind of go into trance and they gave a suggestion that they would be able to respond and they, they'd be able to answer the spirit and told them what each one should do mm-hmm. and uh, so this is all just so such fraudulent such a big freak yeah and and it's just so difficult. And the mosquitoes had been, I had all kinds of bites on me. And it was mm-hmm. really, really hot, you know, and uh, difficult. And, mm-hmm. uh, oh, just so fraudulent. And then he showed me 10, I'm serious, 10,000. He had sent out questionnaires and asked the people how they had done. And 10,000 people had sent him letters. And, mm-hmm. oh, so many thousand people had been cured of their alcohol and addiction problems and of all these anxiety disorders and depression. Mm-hmm. and... Wonderful, wonderful healing, and I had worked—you know—years and years later. I worked in a psychiatric hospital. We, we, we can't do that, you
1: know. Mm-hmm. We
0: don't, we don't have an effective cure for alcoholism, and yet he did.
1: It's because of the cultural setting, I presume, is. It?
0: And and the amazing the mm-hmm. the the the, the magic—it just mm-hmm. seems so real. The the medium mm-hmm. was powerful. Yeah. And she could tell what you were thinking, you know, Mm -hmm. without it. There's no way she could have seen the paper. She had a blindfold on, you know. (laughs) It's
1: amazing. Very interesting. Well, how do you evaluate or or do you evaluate the many now parapsychological double-blind studies of uh, healing?
0: Well, that's very wonderful. But if you'll notice reading through it, exactly how much... What kind of benefit are people getting from this double-blind spe- right. uh, studies? Uh, we're having very, very small effect size. Uh, and yes, you might prove it, but it's not really a replicable experiment. It's the same with all parapsychology. Uh, you know, they—they they, we're not really at the heart of what's really going on.
1: You yeah. Know? Well, I you're think a lot of parapsychologists would disagree with you about that. You're, Jim.
0: You're doing things in the library. You're, yeah. you're doing things in the, in, the in, a, in a in a in a laboratory. Yeah. You know. Now, uh, for example, this case that you investigated, uh, your guy was influencing the weather.
1: Oh. oh okay. Yes. Ted Owens. The PK sure. man. Yeah, yeah. The PK man. Yes. Yeah, so you're I. you with
0: a. A very uh-huh. powerful phenomena, yeah. you know. That's not the laboratory, you know.
1: No, it's not a laboratory. And, of course, healing studies, some of them are done in
0: hospitals. I don't know of anything that's really very replicable that's I've, been done. I now, see. my understanding is, and, I, and I've done studies. I've taken part in studies like that. Mm-hmm. Here's, here's, what I, here's what's replicable in the prayer studies. Mm-hmm. If you pray for someone, you'll benefit from that. <laughs> That's something that you think about. That okay? If if you forgive someone, if you forgive someone, you'll benefit from that, mm-hmm. and your health will be improved. Mm-hmm. So I think, say you do a prayer study, I think you find that maybe the person will be helped by being prayed for. Yeah, but the person praying will will be mm-hmm. helped. Will will benefit from it. Oh, well, that's interesting.
1: And, of course, uh, yeah. people say the same thing about forgiveness. Forgiving is yeah. Yeah. for the forgiver, not for the person who's being yeah. forgiven. Yeah. So uh,
0: so there's a lot of truth to that. So, you know, and I gathered all these uh, cases, of magical mm-hmm. things happen, and we look through it. Uh, you don't find the, the question is, is there a really a direct benefit from say having a precognitive dream mm-hmm. or an extrasensory perception experience, mm-hmm. is there is there some kind of evolutionary impact from it? And you look at the stories; generally, people have a negative experiences. That is a lot of fear involved, and you know, mm-hmm. negative emotions are surround this kind of thing. Mm-hmm. It's there's the reward, the benefit isn't very great, actually. And, and well,
1: so- I. I guess um it it certainly depends on who you talk to but uh I mean no. I've, we're talking
0: I've, to, we're talking to regular folks.
1: Yeah. You, and you've, and you've obviously, you've looked into this. You've observed a thousand of these yeah. <laughs> surgeries. So, yeah. so you have a database of, of your own. I'm really uh, referring here to, I think there's even in the last 10, 20 years, and I don't know if you've kept up with that literature, many, many published studies now, uh, double blind studies with healers.
0: Well, if you're a re- and if you're a psi conducive researcher, then you can do that. Yeah. You see, but if you're not a psych conducive researcher, then you don't. Now, I so let's look at. Let me look inside my own heart. Okay. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I looked at a thousand. I maybe I'm not that psychoducive conducive. <laughs> you see, wouldn't you think? Well, uh, obviously, in those days. In obvious, those days think,
1: as a as a sociologist, you're probably aware yeah. that you know whatever uh, your mindset is is going
0: to affect what you observe. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And and I had that attitude and that propensity. Yeah. So I didn't see anything. Yeah. Uh, I I had hoped. And yes, you thinking. do. Certainly, strike me as an open-minded person. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and. I think maybe it took a few more decades of medication, med- meditation, <laughs> uh-huh. you know. One yeah. or the other. Yeah. <laughs> but uh,
1: on on the other hand, when we have uh, healing studies with bacteria, with plants, with mice, you, know, you can't attribute those healings to a, a psychological effect from hypnosis or a placebo effect.
0: Well, uh I, I, I'm right now, I'm looking at my the data from my my sitter group research mm-hmm. to see who has the kinds of experience, who has the PK experiences. It's it's pl- pretty clear that some people have a propensity for this and other people don't. Yeah. And some people are psi conducive and others aren't. So I think a psi conducive experimenters, they're going to get results.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: You know, and they they have they develop good track records. Yeah. But. I think there is a trickster phenomenon. I, mm-hmm. I don't. I don't. I. I think the parapsychologists claim that they have replicable research, but that's the claim they made uh, when I was in my when I was in my my 20s and 30s. You know. here I'm a I'm a 70 year old guy. Yeah. You know, a lot of years have gone by. Sure. Well, par- sure. Their psychologies has the, not. You
1: no. Know, Those claims were being made before you and I were born by J.B. Ryan back in the 1930s. My impression is that actually the research has become more and more rigorous
0: and more and more successful, but people will dispute that. Well, more successful, I just came from the Parapsychological Association meeting this last summer, Uh and there were no successful, real carefully controlled experiments. There is no evidence Attaining real high levels of success in the 19 uh 1980s there were those mm-hmm. meetings i saw me- I, every year i would see cases mm-hmm. but but i don't wish to i don't wish to adopt the role of the skeptic i mean <laughs> i can i can go both ways on this yeah i i think that the question is is for you and i and, and, and where to 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 watch your own thoughts and your own mind to figure out
2: mm-hmm.
0: The pathway to success, mm-hmm. and, and so that you can help others to go that pathway. Well, Jim, so in this in yeah. this particular presentation, we talked about psychic surgery, and that that wasn't my pathway. I got one more quick story. Maybe you can okay. edit it down. Okay. So you know, I, I got a, I had a chance to talk to a lot of people, and this one woman wanted me to tell me her story, and she had had some terrible stomach disorder, and she had been to Ogle and that hadn't worked. She'd been to other healers. That hadn't worked. She'd been to uh, some kind of uh, Pentecostal healer, and that hadn't worked. And she, was, she had been really, really angry that nothing was helping her. And then she had just been reading the Bible one evening, and this uh, powerful spiritual force just overwhelmed her, and she had felt a terrible or burning sensation all through her body and she felt maybe something was wrong with her and she went back to the doctor the next day and her problem had gone away
1: instantly in other words
0: instantly yeah Uh and so she and she wanted to express this deep anger because she had spent all this money and gone to see all these other people and it hadn't helped her but i think it's it's a matter it's kind of like a lock and a key and a person is seeking to make the lock fit in one key, the key fit in one lock and it doesn't work in another lock. And so each of us, perhaps we need to find our own lock hmm. that fit our key, you know, and then and that's the way. And and maybe you don't need to seek outside yourself. Well, that's
1: a very interesting story and a, and a good point to end on, uh, Jim. Thank you so much for uh, sharing uh, the depth of your experience, and I suppose it really uh, should be a, you know, a note of caution, maybe even a note of warning for people who uh, have uh, various illnesses and are thinking of getting them treated in, uh, from some sort of a miracle healer.
0: Well, I wouldn't discourage it, certainly, if it if it's going to have a positive, if it's going to lead to a a positive attitude. A lot of times people who have terminal illnesses, if they hang out with spiritually oriented people, they can come to a realization that maybe death is not such a bad thing after all.
2: Mm
1: -hmm.
0: There's also that possibility. Well, James McLennan, uh, I
1: very much enjoyed our uh, conversation, and uh, I know that We have yet to mine all of the uh, things that you've already written about, so I hope we can uh, do this again. Yeah, I'm sure we will. I hope we will. Okay. Thank you for being with me. Thank you.